Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. The city that kills its prophets and stones God's messengers. Oh, how often I've wanted to gather your children together like a hen grabs her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't let me. is crushed because his own people failed to recognize him. They wanted a conqueror, a conqueror to rid them from the Romans. But Jesus wasn't, want, wasn't what the people wanted. He wasn't what the people expected. He was what the people needed. They wanted a conqueror. They needed a savior. They wanted someone to rid them of the Romans. Jesus had come to rescue them from their sins. You see, when the people saw the disciples, instead of mighty warriors with Jesus, when they saw Jesus run the merchants, the businessmen, out of God's house, the temple, instead of running the Romans out of Jerusalem. Most of all, when they saw the Messiah riding on a donkey instead of a white stallion, it was all one big letdown. Worse yet, Jesus knew that the same ones that were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that these same ones who were shouting Hosanna on Palm Sunday would be shouting something else on Good Friday morning. be quiet be quiet I said you chief priest 
What are your charges against this man? Come forward with your accusations. Think of it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was put on trial. Maybe you have seen some courtroom experience on TV. Maybe you have witnessed or read about famous trials. There has never been, never will be, a trial like the one that took place 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem between Pilate, the religious leaders, and Jesus. You see, it was the religious leaders of Jesus' day who accused him. But it's the Roman governor, Governor Pilate, who judged our Lord. For only Rome, not the Jews, only Rome had the power to pronounce judgment, the authority to carry out an execution. So as we approach another Easter, would you agree with me that Jesus is still on trial? Would you agree with me that the world is still putting Jesus in the courtroom experience of human affairs? Jesus is still on trial. And I ask you this morning, how would you judge Jesus? Is he a liar who pulled off the greatest hoax, the greatest con job, the greatest flim-flam of all time in history? Is he a lunatic, an insane person, someone who was out of his mind and then inspired the greatest religious movement of all time in history? Was he a liar? A lunatic or is he who he says he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings how will you judge Is there anyone here that will testify that this man can perform miracles? Who? This is Marissa. Marissa Renzi. I know that my Lord is a healer. You, you do? Well, tell us all about it. Tell this congregation this morning, and of course, make sure that Roman Governor Pilate knows about it. What's happened? How do you know that Jesus is your healer, Marissa? 
this past October, I had twisted my knee. I ended up at the doctor's office, and I thought, well, I tore a meniscus, nothing big. But test after test, he would say to me, no, there's nothing, nothing wrong. You need to go physical therapy. And I did. It only got worse. Eventually, I ended up for more tests, more x-rays, more imaging. Then I went for an MRI, and at that time, I can remember being in the MRI, and I said to myself, and usually I'm a very faithful, optimistic person, but I can remember when my father was, was, was not sick ever. But then one time, he says to me, Maurice, my knee hurts. Well, we took him in, he got shots, cortisone shots, and then six months later, they diagnosed him with bone cancer, and he died. So when I was in the MRI, I was like, I have a bad feeling about this, but that's not like me at all. But I came out, and my friend David had driven me to the appointment, and I says, I have a bad feeling about this. And he's like, no. And you have, if you know anything about me or my friend David, I'm the faith person, and David's taunts. He's a realist, and I'm a person that lives in a bubble. <laughs> this has always been, we always, oh, Peanut, you live in a bubble, and, and I'm a realist. That's what he always says to me. Well, that was on the 8th. And then that was this month, March 8th. March 10th, the doctor called me. I didn't have an appointment for my knee, but he called me and he says to me, you need to come in. I says, oh, all right. So I went in and I said, it's a torn meniscus, isn't it? He says, yeah, you have a torn meniscus on your right side of your knee and the left side. I says, oh, okay, well, then I'll just go see the surgeon that did my other knee. And he's like, no. And this is the first time I've ever seen a doctor so kind and soft-spoken. He was stepping all over himself, and I'm like, well, why can't I go back to him? Do you do surgery, doctor? No, no, it's not that. I just want you to go see this doctor. I said, what doctor is that? He says, I need you to go see an oncologist because you have a huge mass. I said, you mean a cyst? And he says, no, no, it's not a cyst. It's a mass. He said, on my knee? No, in your bone, he says to me. Of course. So I says, I right away the feelings of my father and all that came to me and I went outside and I, David was waiting for me outside and he says, what do you say? I said, well, he said, I have to go to an oncologist. And of course, David says, oh, Peanut, you know what? You're projecting. You probably didn't hear him correctly. Do you mind if I go back and get the report? I says, no. When he came out, I could see fear, sorrow in his eyes. And I thought, well, there's my realist. He really heard some real truth there. Well, make a long story short, he took me home. And you know, the faith person that I am, I went home and the first thing I did was open up my computer. Didn't open my Bible, didn't pray, but I opened a computer. <laughs> Next thing, and, but my friend, what did he, what he do? He ran and called Pastor Chris right away, and he come back and he says to me, Marisa, you have to go to the church, and they're going to anoint you with oil. I'm like, yeah, yeah, when I go in the hospital, we'll do all that. <laughs> and I was just full of fear, and I just knew, I, with my life, I was so scared. The next day, God brought my friend, a dear friend of mine, Kathy, to my door, knocking on my door, and she said to me, Marisa, first thing you need to do is shut that computer. She goes, and I am ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of your faith. You, should, you know that faith is not for just good time, but for bad times too. That next, that next day I was empowered, and I began to hold Jesus to his word. And I said, Lord, I know that your word, first of all, I went to the book of James that says, go to the church and be anointed with oil. So I thought, next time David asks me, I'm going to go to church. And then I started holding him to his word and saying to him, Lord, you said that all things are possible and that you are a healer and I can believe on you and that you would make me well. Well, I came Sunday, last past Sunday, to the church. And I haven't been here in a while. Not that I haven't been connected to Lakeside. In a long while. In a long while. But I watched Pastor Chris online and listened to him on the radio through my 
to my computer. But anyway, but when I walked in here, I, I could feel a love immediately. The first person walked up to me was Linda Behringer, and she laid her hand on my, on my shoulder, and she said to me, we're praying for you, Marisa. Yeah. I was the first person. I, I felt, oh my God, I already feel at home again. Then after praise and worship, pastor found me in the pews, and he says to me, Marisa, today is a good service. There's communion, and there's healing here today, and I want you to come down to the altar for oil. In obedience, I did come. I came down to the, and they anointed me with oil, and they prayed over me, and they said to me the very words, when you... Frank and Ida Mistretta. Oh, That's who prayed over you. What wonderful people. And I, I couldn't even get the words out. When they asked me, what are you down here for? I couldn't even get the words out that they had diagnosed me with cancer. I had looked up the words on my report, and I could find one good thing on that computer. But, so I had to come out and say, they diagnosed me with cancer. They prayed, and the and pastor came after he was done with his line. He came, and he prayed over me. And the one thing I remember them saying to me was, when you go back to the doctor's office, that a doctor will look at that report, and he will say to you, there is no cancer here. Well, the very next Monday was my appointment with the oncologist. And he took another image, and he came into the office, and he said to me, real solemnly, and he's going through the pages, and David's all ready to ask questions. He's like, hold it, hold it. I don't want to get any confusion here. We have to go through the history of our family. And I'm like, oh, here we go about my father. Well, he, he looks so solemn and, and stoic. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to be good. And then he went through the pages, and he looked at the report, and he says, well, his new image he took, well, there is no cancer here. <laughs> Just as if it prayed over me. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. I thank you, Lord. My Jesus is still a healer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Marissa Renzi. Amen. It's so good to see you back in church. Amen. I want you to know that there's five reasons why we can know that God is still in the miracle business. Whether it's a healing over your body, a healing over your finances, or a healing over your marriage, God is in the miracle business. I want to give you five quick reasons. Reason number one, we serve an unchanging God. We know that our Lord was able to cause the lame to walk, the blind to see, lepers to be cleansed and made whole. And he's still in the healing business today. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord. I do not change. People change. God doesn't. Go to the New Testament. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that the one who is able to heal 2,000 years ago is able to touch you at your point of need, even today. And you can have a testimony like Marissa Renzi as well. Our God is able. Hallelujah. Reason number two, our healing is already paid for. It's already paid for. You know, we proclaim a wonder-working, healing Lord because God's Word teaches that at the cross, Jesus not only paid the price for our sins, but He also prayed, paid the price for our healing. For by His stripes, we are healed. Reason number three, God promises us miracles. 
Do you know that there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible? And every single one of them are yours, child of God? We know God's still in the miracle business because God promises miracles throughout His Word. For instance, Matthew chapter 19, with God all things are what? Possible. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name except healing, except miracles, that will I do? No, a thousand times no. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For some of the promises or all the promises? All the promises of God in Christ Jesus, in Him are yes, and in Him, amen. And God always keeps His promises. Praise the Lord. Reason number four, healing is Jesus' divine purpose. All problems, all afflictions, all sicknesses, all disease ultimately come from who? The devil. That's right. But here's the good news. The Bible says in 1 John, the Bible says for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Reason number five, because healing and miracles are God's gifts. Every miracle is a gift of God's grace. His undeserved favor. And our Father loves giving His children good gifts. Jesus even said, if you earthly fathers give good gifts to your children, how much more so will our Father, your Father in heaven, give you good gifts? You see, His miracles, His healing is not based on who you are or what you have done, but based upon who He is. And He's a good God. Amen? Praise the Lord. So Jesus is our healer. Our Lord is still in the miracle business, yet Jesus is still on trial. Great Governor Pilate, this man claimed he can heal the wounded spirits and also hurting relationships. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Is there anyone here that truly believes that this man can give true peace, true love, and restore relationships? Oh, who's this? It's hard for me to see. Okay, it's Kevin and Yvonne Callahan. God bless you. Yvonne, come on over here. Bless you. You're here to bear witness to Jesus that he's in the restoration yes, business. Uh, hard to start this, but I'm going to start with myself. And then, uh, God, I never had a foundation in our marriage. Uh, just kind of hard to go on back to where I was. Uh, 
just I, I resented things. I was angry. Um, I never took the blame for anything. It was always somebody else caused me a problem. I never was never the problem. All the years that Yvonne and I were together, I, I resented her trying to um, f fix me. Absolutely. Kind of, I don't want to say change me, but trying to make me find out, trying to make us a couple. Um, it was, um, even when she had cancer, my pride would not let me um, uh, re remove that resentment or have that foundation that he gave me. Now I have the foundation that he, just like you just said, just all those five reasons were uh, my marriage was all my, I was not doing any of that. I was, uh, even in my immediate family, I was kind of Dr. Heck no. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, I could be the nicest guy. Even my parents didn't even know I had this anger side. I always took it out on Yvonne or my kids. Now, uh, uh, just the restoration that you've given me. has gone my children. And my children are so much better today. If I would not have changed, I don't know what would have happened. And I just want to thank you. I think, though, looking back, the greatest harm that we did to our marriage was the fact that we were divided against each other. We warred against Absolutely. each other. And I remember a day where I, we had a definite breakthrough. We were in the heat of another verbally abusive argument. I remember him being about this close to me. Didn't look like that, though. Um, I could feel the spit flying in my face. And um, all of a sudden, my faith stirred in me. And I spoke these words, I will not let the devil have the run of this house any longer in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that there's power in your name. Power in the name of Jesus. It was shortly after that, oh, and I have to say, immediately, we had such a sense of calm come over us. It was like the swords that we had drawn toward each other. The grip was loosened and they fell to the ground. And he walked away. And I stood there thinking, how can I have this peace after what we were just doing? And I walked back to Kevin and I looked at him and I said, are you feeling what I'm feeling right now? Because I feel like I want to laugh. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, me too. I'll never forget that day. Shortly after that, we started coming to Lakeside. And he came very reluctantly at first. <laughs> Pastor will vouch for this. He came every Sunday morning with this green fleece jacket zipped up to his neck, hands crossed his chest. <laughs> he was the meanest man I have ever looked. And he scared me while I was preaching. He had the grumpiest, meanest face. Becky, too. <laughs> and
anyways, every Sunday, and this was October when he started coming, I would say, Kevin, could you please take that jacket off? And he's like, no, I'm fine. And he would just glare at Pastor, like he said. And uh, it was February. And again, we came in that Sunday morning, same green coat, zipped up to his jacket. And just as I was about to say, can you take that thing off? He took his hand, he unzipped the coat, he laid it next to him, and he unfolded his arms. And I said, oh boy, something is going to happen here. <laughs> and this aisle right here, Pastor, you gave an altar call. He basically tripped over me to get out of the pew. And as he was walking up there, Jesus, I heard you speak to my heart. Daughter, behold, I make all things new. And he gave his heart to Jesus that day. And that was the beginning of a road of restoration. It was 14 years ago. We're still walking it. But I love this man. Anybody that knows this man in this church knows the heart that Jesus oh, helped me see. Amen. 33 years, Pastor, oh. expecting our first grandchild. And I love him more now today than ever. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord not only brings salvation, but he brings restoration into our lives. Salvation is just the beginning of what he wants to do in our marriages, in our families. Mr. Grumpy, that gave his heart to the Lord, is now a deacon on my board. <laughs> Kevin and Yvonne, Kevin and Yvonne, every Wednesday night now for years, they lead a ministry every Wednesday night called Impact, where they go out into Macomb County to places people don't like to go. And they bring groceries, they bring furniture, they help the downtrodden, the oppressed, the poor, and they pray with them and they minister the name of Jesus. If you'd like to be a part of that ministry, you'll not only see how lives are changed, you'll see what God has done with the leadership here. Amen. And you too will be blessed. Give a hand to Kevin and Yvonne Callahan. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, would you agree with me? You can have a rehearsal for a wedding, but there's never a rehearsal for a happy marriage. And today, finding real love, love that keeps on loving no matter what, seems like mission impossible. Perhaps you've been looking for love, but you've been looking for love in all the wrong places. There's a real love. I said there's a real love that you can get that you can walk through any storm with that can make you better instead of bitter there's a real love that can empower a marriage to go the distance where you can look at your mate your spouse and say you're my best friend I want to grow old with you this real love 
Oh, it can't be found in a Valentine's card. This real love, it can't be found in a psychiatrist's couch. This real love, it can't be found in a pill that you swallow. This real love is a person. One so loving that even when they, they mocked him, even when they spat upon him, even when they sadistically tortured him, he looked down from the, his cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Real love is who? Jesus. Make him the center of your life, your marriage, your home, and you'll enjoy the miracle of his love. Jesus, he's still in the business of restoring broken hearts, broken lives. Yet Jesus, this morning, is still on trial. Pilate, he claims that he has the authority to forgive sins. This is blasphemy. Only God has the power to forgive sins. What of this? Is there anyone who really believes that this man is a savior? Rod Davis, you want to bear witness for Jesus? Bless you, buddy. What's your story? <laughs> well, this isn't easy. When I was a kid, I was raised in West Virginia. Things are different there. Six years old, I can remember going to church, and my mom and dad didn't go to church. You know, and it, it was rough, but it, it, it was okay, you know. I was a kid. And for years, I went to church without my mom and dad. And then when I was about 12 years old, they went to church with me, and they give their hearts to the Lord. And I was on top of the world. And at about 16 years old, I felt that God had called me to preach. I was, I was still on top of the world. I was like, man, I can't believe that he's going to trust me with his word. Then as I got a little bit older, in my mid-twenties, I started turning away from God. You know, people, they don't look at look at you like you're wrong, but they look at you like, well, he just ain't going to church anymore. But I was wrong. I went as far as joining what's called a 1% motorcycle club. The bad parties and just very rough lifestyle. 
Everything I thought was going pretty good. I, I was hiding. I was running from God for all these years. And I thought I found the place where I can hide. None of these guys expect anything from me about Jesus. Nobody here expects me to be anything other than just rough. And I can do that. Well, one of the ladies who was in a support club was killed on her way home on her motorcycle from work. And it was a mandatory thing that we went to her funeral. Part of the church, maybe six or eight pews, had her family and friends in it. There was maybe six or eight pews that had the church members she knew in it. See, this lady was different. She would go to all the meetings of these big bad motorcycle guys, and she would sit there and tell them who Jesus was. And as I'm sitting there, I'm looking, and the rest of the church was filled with guys wearing leather. Guys that would not care to just stomp you down. And the preacher got up, and he said, you know, he said, if she was here today, she would tell you what I'm about to tell you. It was the first time I ever been to a funeral where the preacher preached salvation. He preached about God's love, God's mercy. I looked over to my left, and here said all these guys in leather, and they're like, oh, crying. And I'm like, I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to give in. I'm a tough guy. We left, and everybody went their separate ways. I was on the way home, and I was going up the road, and oh, let me back up a little bit. Before we left, at the end of the service, this lady who, had, who was killed, her ministry was to have services in sign language. So this lady got up and she'd done a song in sign language. And the song was, Will You Ride With Me? I thought, that's a pretty cool song. So on the way home, I'm going up the road on my motorcycle, running 70 miles an hour. I was in a hurry to get nowhere. And this still small voice. <laughs> said, don't run. And I thought, man, <laughs> if a deer jumps out in front of me, it's going to hurt. If my tire blows out, it's going to hurt. So I got to thinking, you know, if something like that would happen, I want to be ready. All the stuff that I knew about when I was a little six-year-old boy, all of the things that I heard about and read about when I was 16 years old and knew that God wanted me to preach his word, was in my head. So here I am going up the road having an argument with myself and with God. I'm like, okay, I can't win this. I'm tired of living like this. But Lord, 
I'm in a 1% motorcycle club. The only way to get out of a 1% motorcycle club is in a pine box. <laughs> and I thought, if there's any way that you can do this, <laughs> then I'll know that everything is possible through you. So it may sound funny, but I gave my life to the Lord right there on that motorcycle. <laughs> 70 miles an hour on the interstate. About three months after that, God made it possible for me to get out of that club. I got out with my life. Not only has God restored my life, but he gave me this Jesus that's on trial gave me victory in my life over the chains that I allowed to bind me down. It ain't happening anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This Jesus right here is able to work in me, and he's able to work in you. There it is. Rod Davis, show him your love. He is a trophy of God's grace. Amen. Have you ever heard of a child born under a death sentence? Have you ever heard of a child born under the death sentence of AIDS? Where did that little baby contract that dread disease? From the mother. And this little life begins with an incurable, fatal disease. Worse yet than any disease or physical affliction worse yet is being infected with a spiritual disease called sin and guess what we've all been infected we're all sinners by birth and we're all sinners by behavior we've all contracted the dread disease called sin from our first two parents, Adam and Eve, and sin has hopelessly infected the entire human race, resulting in, in spiritual death, separation from God, ultimately physical death, and then finally, eternal death, eternal separation from God. Romans chapter 6 declares, for the wages of sin is what? Death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not by accident that you are here today. It's not by coincidence that you're hearing the sound of my voice or watching this on, on video. You see, two ways are before every one of us. 
two decisions, two pathways to take in life. One leads to life. One leads to death. It's our prayer this morning that you'll choose life. When you choose Jesus, you choose real life. You see, only one can change you and rearrange you in the here and now. Only one can offer you eternal life in the hereafter. Only one is our Savior. And his name is Jesus. Yet Jesus is still on trial. Governor Pilate, this Jesus of Nazareth says he has the power to comfort his companions in times of trials and tribulations. He's also said, I've overcome the world. And I quote, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you will have peace. There will be tribulation in the world. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What? Claiming to have more power than Rome itself? Only Rome can bring real peace. Is there anyone that can testify that this man can bring real peace during difficult times. Beautiful, beautiful. Come on down. God bless you, young lady. Come on down. Okay, this is Lori. God bless you, Lori. Come over here, front and center. What's your story, Lori? Well, some of you here already know, you've seen and witnessed, but in 2012, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And from the moment I got the diagnosis, not once did I cry, not once did I get upset, not once was I fearful. Jesus gave me perfect peace through the whole process. I was able to choke through the whole process. The doctor at the diagnosis uh, put the screen on and showed me all of the pictures he had taken, showed me all the masses, and all I said was, did I smile pretty? He must have thought I was hysterical or something because he blew right over it. But God enabled me to, to have that attitude and that peace through chemotherapy, through radiation, through all of my surgeries, more than I can count. Um, in fact, after one of the major surgeries, I was in my hospital room, and the hospital chaplain came in to pay a visit, and we ended up sharing testimonies and ministering to each other. He said, well, I don't have to pray for you. <laughs> it was just wonderful. He made me a blessing. This peace that he gave just passes all understanding, just like the word said. He strengthened me beyond anything that I would have ever, ever been able to do. Um, I made the costumes for Scrooge while I was undergoing chemo. To this day, I don't know how that got done. Uh, during the Scrooge presentation that year, I was working on the Pharisee costumes. Don't know how all those got done. But even now, um, they tell me that 
Stage four is, I had no idea how bad it was, but they said the next stage is stage four and a half, which is hospice care. But I stand here today. The doctors still want me to go and visit. <laughs> yes, praise God. Praise God. I'm still being healed. <laughs> I still have to go to the oncologist for regular checkups, but I know I have no problem believing that there's going to come a day when they'll say, oh, you don't have to come anymore. Just follow up with your regular doctor. And it's, the day's coming soon. I just know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Give God the glory. Lori LeBlanc. God bless you. Do not relegate miracles to an instantaneous change. For example, never relegate a miracle to an instantaneous healing. Sometimes, yes, like Marissa Renzi, God instantaneously, God immediately takes us out of the storm. But I want you to know that it's just as much of a miracle when God takes you through the storm and he's faithful to you through that valley, through that battle, through that experience, and he gives you the grace, the favor, the peace of God which passes all understanding, as Lori said, as we go through the storm. Sure. God's peace. The Bible says it's beyond comprehension because this one is the Prince of Peace. And He can rule and reign even now in the difficulty that you're walking through. For they who keep their minds, the Bible says, stayed upon thee, will be kept in perfect peace. It was five years ago, this spring, that we said goodbye to one of our deacons here at the church. Forty-five-year-old, David Short. Peace in the storm is the testimony of his wife, Cindy Short Zaglowski. Age 45, Dave unexpectedly, suddenly went home to be with his Lord. And Cindy was left with four children, 18 years of age and younger. But this song is her testimony. Let the words speak to you this morning. He's been faithful to me.
He's more than faithful. Hold on to him. Hold on to him. He's faithful when we are faithless. Hold on to him. We serve a faithful God. Pilate, Pilate in finding no fault with Jesus. In fact, four times, Pilate declared that he found no fault with Jesus, that he was innocent. So Pilate desires to let Jesus go. And he thought if he could just bloody Jesus up, it would appease the mob. And so Pilate now orders the most sadistic of Roman tortures. Listen to what happens next. Husband! Leave that good man alone, for I had a terrible nightmare concerning him last night. 
I find no basis for a charge upon this man. He is innocent. I find him not guilty. But if it's blood you want, it's blood I will give you. Lay the whip to his back, and maybe this will satisfy this bloodthirsty crowd. So the soldiers lead Christ to the whipping post. Little did Roman Governor Pilate recognize, but he was fulfilling a 600-year-old prophecy. A 600-year-old prophecy with a powerful promise. The prophet Isaiah wrote, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And say it with me. And with his stripes we are healed. This morning receive your healing. On the cross crucified in great sorrow he died. The giver of life was he. Yet my Lord was despised and rejected of men. This
Just before Roman Governor Pilate comes, I want you to know this morning that the devil has no right. The devil has no right to lay upon you what was already laid upon Jesus at the whipping post. Again, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was laid upon him and by his stripes we are healed let's see what happens next I have whipped him, and now I am bringing him out to you. Behold the man. But he is innocent. What evil has he done? I find him no, not guilty. If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. If you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar. Again, four times, four times, Pilate has declared him not guilty, but innocent. So I ask you, who's really on trial here? Who is really in the courtroom of decision? It's not Jesus, it's Pilate. You see, Pilate doesn't know what to do with Jesus. He knows that Jesus cannot be found guilty on any charge. So how will Pilate choose? Will he free Jesus, who he's already said is innocent? Or will Roman Governor Pilate be a people pleaser instead of a God pleaser? Bring me water. I wash my hands of the blood of this man. He is your responsibility. Let his blood be upon our heads and upon our whole family and our children. Crucify him. Silence! So be it. Take him away and let him be crucified.
ask you, if you were to put Jesus on trial, what would your verdict be? If you put Jesus on trial, would you find him guilty or innocent? I'm asking you. That's the same verdict that Pilate came up with. And he let Jesus be crucified. Even though he knew Jesus was innocent, even though Pilate knew what the truth was, even though he knew what was right, he chose to be a people pleaser instead of a God pleaser. And he washed his hands of Jesus. And think of it. He became guilty of the blood of the Son of God. We say, how could Pilate do it? How do people do it today? The, the truth is, people wash their hands of Jesus all the time. People believe Jesus is the Son of God. They believe He's the Savior of the world, but they don't receive Him as their Savior. Pilate stands before us as a warning. He tried to play neutral with Jesus. He tried to, 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 to ride the fence. Uh, he, 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 he tried to find a place of neutrality. I want you to know that there's no, no neutral ground with Jesus. God won't allow you to straddle the fence in making a decision about Jesus. We either accept him or we reject him. Do you know that history tells us that Pilate's career ended in disgrace? He was banished to a remote island. There he committed suicide. History tells us. I'm convinced if we would tour the halls of hell this day, we would hear one cry louder than others. I can't wash it. I can't wash it off my hands. That would be the cry of Governor Pilate. You see, there's a terrible cost for rejecting Jesus. If you don't believe me, just ask Pilate. So there it is this morning. How about you? How about you, young person? How about you, sir, ma'am? Will you wash your hands of Jesus? I would ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed this morning. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And I ask, O oh precious Holy Spirit, in this moment of decision to either accept or reject Jesus. I pray, O oh Holy Spirit, even now, knock upon heart's doors. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer. We call it the prayer of salvation. It's a prayer that will make you right with God. It's a prayer that will give you a home in heaven. 
as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In a few seconds, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be included in this prayer. If you would like to be included in this prayer, a prayer that will make you right with God and to give you a home in heaven, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm just going to ask you to show your faith by raising your hand. If you want to be included in this prayer, lift up your hand right now. God bless you. 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 Don't be a pilot. Don't wash your hands of Jesus. Either accept him or reject him. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Yes. Up on the balcony, will you accept him or reject him? How many this morning want to say yes to Jesus? If he's not already in your life, lift up your hand if you want to be included in this prayer. Yes, yes. Keep those hands lifted up if you would. Keep those hands lifted up. And pray this prayer with me. In fact, I want everyone to pray this prayer with me out loud. Make this prayer your prayer. Own it. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now just as I am. I confess I've sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me, for washing my sins away. Thank you, Jesus, for making me brand new and giving me a home in heaven. I thank you that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. You may put those hands down. The finale is yet to come, so please don't leave. The best is yet to come. But if you lifted up your hand, if you prayed that prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to fill out the card that is in front of you right now in your pew. There's a card there that's a decision card. Would you let us know that you made a decision for Jesus? That you chose to accept Him and not reject Him? That you chose to invite Him in your life and not wash your hands of Jesus? Would you fill out that card? Because we're going to pray for you. You need prayer in a special way. We want to make sure that you understand the commitment that you've made to Jesus this morning. After the service, I'll tell you what to do with that card. But help your friend right now, your guest, that one that you brought this morning. Ask them, make sure that they lifted up their hand for Jesus. If they didn't, invite them accept Jesus Christ into their heart and life and fill out that card and then we'll give you instructions after the service this morning so Jesus 
was led away led away to the cross we'll see that next week but for right now I want you to watch the Lamb walking on the road to Jerusalem the time had come to sacrifice again my two small sons they walk beside me on the road The reason that they came Was to watch the Lamb Daddy, Daddy What will we see there? There's so much that we don't understand So I told them of Moses and Father Abraham Then I said, dear children, watch the land There will be so many in Jerusalem today We must be sure the land doesn't run said, dear children, watch the land. And when we reached the city, I knew something must be wrong. There were no joyful worshipers, no joyful worship songs. I stood there with my children in the midst of angry men. Then I heard the crowd cry out
he struggled I watched him as he fell The cross came down upon his back The crowd began to yell In that moment I felt such agony In that moment I felt such loss Till a Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed They drove nails deep in his feet and hands And yet upon the cross I heard him pray Father, forgive them Oh, never have I seen such love In any other eyes Into thy hands I commit my spirit seemed like years I'd lost all sense of time Until I felt two tiny hands Holding tight to mine My children stood there weeping I heard the oldest say Father, please forgive us What have we seen here? There's so much that we don't understand So I took them in my arms And we turned and faced the cross Then I said, dear children Watch the the Lamb. Let's give God all the glory. Amen. 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 Would you bring the house lights up? Stand with me this morning. You have been such a wonderful, wonderful congregation this morning. Precious Jesus. Next week we'll give appreciation to whom appreciation is due. Don Waggy, Marlena Kettlehut, all of the leadership that has made this possible this morning. 
But our message to you this morning is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it would be wrong of me to say goodbye and let you go without you receiving your miracle. How many of you out there, you need a miracle this morning. You need a healing in your body. You need a healing in your finances. You need a healing in your marriage, in your home. How many of you came this morning and you've already received a healing in your heart? <laughs> um, the greatest miracle is salvation. Yes. So I ask you this morning, I want us to sing that song right now. Jesus, be Jesus in me. Would you invite him to be here in a very special way? Jesus, be Jesus.